Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. We are going to do the Too Long Didn't Read Dynasty Report again, looking at each and every team and my main takeaways from week two of NFL data and usages and regression trends. So let's get into it. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. So an important note to start the week off, as always, we're looking at the percentage of players in the top 12 right now who typically maintain that rank by the end of the season. Now, players drop in and out of the top 12 all the time, but we actually get a surprising amount of signal fairly early for what the end result's going to look like of course, injuries are always going to feature in there. But typically, by week two, about 50% of all the top 12 ranks are accurate. At wide receiver is where the difference is. That's one that's stubbornly refusing to finalize itself until later. We actually have to get to week three before we even get 50% of the top 12 ranking in the top 12 by that week. But right now, quarterback, running back, and tight end should be expected to be about... 50% accurate, so half the top 12 players are going to finish there by the end of the season. Again, barring injuries and the unexpected realities of an individual season. Wide receiver, still a little resilient. It's only at 47% since 2018, and so we should expect more change at that position consistently till well past week 6, actually. It really stabilizes around 55-56% on week 4 and continues at that rate. So we should expect up and down at wide receiver just a lot more consistently from here on out, but we are starting to get more certain about where players are ranking. That haven't been said, let's get into it. Make sure you consider that when we consider players where they rank right now in points per game, because it's not quite yet where we need it to be. We're really waiting till week four before we get overly confident about that. In Baltimore, Nelson Aguilar looks like a one-week pop-up game with a touchdown regression kind of flavor to it. Uh, the hope for Rashad Bayman hope faded once again just a little bit this week. He's still under 50% of snaps, so he can keep hoping and blaming injury, but eventually that excuse tires and the NFL moves on, if nothing else. That hurts. In Buffalo, uh, well, they managed a weak impression of themselves. Josh Allen got a little more involved in the rushing game this week, but still far less than we're used to seeing. His top six finish is more what we're expecting, but it wasn't quite there yet. James Cook proved me wrong in a one-week sample size and finished inside the top 12. His usage outside the red zone is there, but in the red zone it's distinctly lacking. Uh, right now Latavius Murray has 19% of the touches inside the 20-yard line and one touchdown to show for it. Gabe Davis had one of his weeks, not his best, but a nice reminder he's still the second option on this team with blow-up potential. And while Stefan Diggs was disappointing, just never sit Diggs. It's, it's almost process at this point. In Cincinnati, again, that was more like it, and there's more to come. 
Joe Burrow is still having a hard time finding his feet this year in fantasy, but I have no real notes here. You're starting him, you're starting J- Jamar Chase, and you're starting T. Higgins. Joe Mixon is an easy start every week right now, and both he and Chase are due, quote-unquote, touchdowns based on their overall workload versus what they've actually managed to do um, in efficiency on those touches. So that is a nice note. But again, he's probably always going to be that top 12 running back that doesn't quite feel like you're getting the pop of a top 12 running back, but he's definitely a start every week. In Chicago, buy into Roshan Johnson. I'm sticking with the same note from last week. If you remember to sell Justin Fields, the receiving game overperformed in a few churches this week, but Roshan Johnson took a step further in separating from Khalil Herbert. This week, he secured 43% of the team's overall rushing attempts and 10% of the targets as well. DJ Moore did indeed remember how to earn targets on his routes this week. He and Darnell Mooney are the real starting options, apart from the fact Darnell Mooney is now on IR, because apparently hamstrings necessitate IRing players now. Um, but DJ Moore is still basically a borderline wide receiver three start in this offense in its current form, unless that passing game shows significant improvement. In Cleveland, Pierre Strong, the red zone spoiler we didn't expect. With the loss of Nick Chubb, probably for the season, and that injury was horrific, by the way, uh, Jerome Ford was immediately able to pay off on the stack running backs on the end of your bench strat with a top tail performance. Moving forward, she'd expect him to be the clear lead back, but notice Pierre Strong still had the rushing attempts inside the 10-yard line, and he's currently 44% of the team's overall red zone attempts, only through two weeks, but still. Look for him to play spoiler on more weeks moving forward as he's got that red zone work. Amari Cooper was able to take back his role as the best receiving weapon in week two, not that it was ever really in doubt. The routes are still evenly distributed, which is awkward, and Elijah Moore is still showing some life. However, it's probably because Amari is hindered by lagging injuries at this point, and I'd expect him to continue to be the best receiving option that offense has. In Dallas, CDLM should ease off, although he had a really good week two. Although he's been hit and miss so far through two weeks, one good week, one bad week, I think his efficiency overall is going to come down. Top 12 starter is one thing, but somehow between week, his wide receiver 33 finish and his wide receiver 8 finish is the real truth. Putting up over three yards per route run in both of those first two weeks. But between that and Tony Pollard and Jake Ferguson still getting the majority of the red zone work, I'd expect a slight drop in overall ceiling performance from CD Lamb, but a rise of the floor as well. And Dak Prescott did a little bit more, like what we would expect this week as well. In Denver, we have no clear picture yet. Uh, there are a few teams that this is true, and that's not unsurprising through two weeks, but I think there's a lot left to be discovered about this offense. Javante Williams has top 12 games coming, for sure, but not yet. Um, and he, both he and Samaji Prerain are underperforming in the red zone right now, but Williams has a lead in volume with 55% of the team's rushing attempts, 13% of the team's target share. He actually has more upside in his weekly performance based on that workload but right now he's like a top 36 running back in total weighted opportunity this the receiving game though is just a mess just when things were nicely undecided Brandon Jacobs decided to have a top 14 week right now it looks like it should settle down into a almost Sutton led routes receiving courts with Jerry Judy working his way back into the second receiving option and more in the slot and Marvin Mims as a deep threat but with that blow-up game from Brandon Johnson and a lack of real certainty since Jerry Judy didn't play week one, we really don't know what this depth chart is going to simmer down into. And with the loss of Greg DeLuch to IR as well, 
there's still more to discover here. We don't know enough. But it was good to see the last-minute pickup of Jaleel, Mala- Jaleel McLaughlin off the waiver wire for a lot of teams before the season started. Did end in a touchdown and some play in the end of the at the end of the depth chart as well. In Detroit, it's David Montgomery's backfield, but not his target share. I'm not saying Jameer Gibbs isn't everything we think he could be, or that he hasn't been good on the field. Last week, he had the highest rush share with 20, his highest rush share with 25% of the overall team's opportunities and a whopping 26% target share as well. I'm also just saying it's a heavy split. David Montgomery is running back in that backfield with 60% of the overall rushing attempts so far. We chase targets, of course, but I don't see any sign of Gibbs being DeAndre Swift plus more new DeAndre Swift. In Green Bay, Jaden Reed had a good week but there is still no clear wide receiver one in Green Bay. Targets lean heavily to Jaden Reed right now, 32% in week two, and 25% on the season. But the routes remain dead in a dead heat, with Romeo Dubs getting 16% and Reed getting 15%, barely outpacing Aaron Jones, who missed last week with 12%, and even Dontavian Wicks has 14%. An average top 12 wide receiver has 21%, just for reference. Lack of separation in route percentage is an issue and we should expect production to roll with a matchup and touchdowns won't continue to be this common for Reed. In Houston, Nico Collins is doing really well, but it won't last. Nico Collins is off to a great start relative to his ADP this offseason for sure, but with only two weeks and 20% of the overall target share and a top 24 finish and a top 12 finish, I think it's going to come down slightly. Unfortunately, the underlining routes are just plain evenly split. Collins has 16%, Robert Woods has 18%, per game at least, and Tank Dell has 14%, which is a relatively good rookie season so far, just a note. It feels like an offense still searching for his lead receiver, and I don't think Nico Collins can keep this efficiency up every week. In Indianapolis, Josh Downs continues to gain ground. Anthony Richardson's rookie season is obviously off to a mixed start since he entered the concussion protocol relatively early in the game, but it didn't slow down the underlying receiving signal. Alec Pierce is still heavily involved. He had, 30, he had 35 routes, or 20%, in week two. But Josh Downs continued to impress with a target share of 16% versus Pierce's 7%. Typically, I'd think that means that target share is going to swing Pierce's way eventually, but it remains to be seen if the signal isn't that Pierce can't shake off the target problems that plagued him in his rookie season, as in earning them on those routes. Right now, Downs is providing more on less field opportunities and has 20% of the team's red zone touches through the season as well. Feels like a good game is on the way, hopefully. Zach Moss took over as running back one immediately when he came back this week, and it looked relatively easy. Though it remains to be seen how much of the 75% of rushing opportunities so far he can maintain when Richardson is back on the field, but his 11% target share was solid as well. That week eight, that running back eight finish is good. I'm not quite sure we can expect it regularly yet, though. In Jacksonville, my note is just Evan Ingram, though. Christian Kirk came into week two with a distinct purpose of reminding us what a one-week sample is worth. Nothing. Having said that, the underlining route volume still leans heavily towards Calvin Ridley, 20%. While Christian Kirk and Zay Jones might mix it up between who is the best option on a week-to-week basis, certainly in terms of fantasy. Both are behind Evan Ingram in terms of their value to a dynasty team, though. His top... The top six finish this week for Evan Ingram isn't exactly world-breaking at the tight end position, but it continues a positive trend of production we've seen from the post-hype breakout sleeper. 
If nothing else, it's more distant hope for the future of Kyle Pitts. In Kansas City, Rashi Rice is my note. Just want to remind you of the name. All a good week from Skymore does is give those who foolishly took a chance on him this offseason to unload him, maybe. Maud needs a touchdown on 50% of routes, even with Kelsey around to fuel the offense. Right now, Rice is a distant memory in terms of the overall ranking of his volume in this offense. He's got the lowest routed percentage, like he's like a fifth or sixth option overall looking at it that way. But I think the team needs to try to exploit something outside of Kelsey, and I still don't think it's Sky Moore. In the small amount of work he's had, Rice has been putting up unsustainable 2.7 yards per route run and 2 points per touch. But again, I think that efficiency should lead the team on giving him more volume, but rookies in the Kansas City offense is a little rough. On the Los Angeles Chargers, my only note right now is Quinton Johnson is one to watch. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen sharing 23 targets between them, and Justin Herbert finishing in the top 12 again just sounds like script to me. But I'm keeping an eye on Quinton Johnson. He only has 4% of the routes so far and a red zone target inside the 20-yard line, and not much else to show for his rookie endeavor so far. There's a potential window here right now, and I'm not sure what kind it is. Check to see if your league maker's panicking, maybe, because rookies, while week four is a goal major- for the most players, with rookies, we can have a little larger window, and so far he really hasn't worked his way into the offense, but it could also be a, a bad signal for things to come. We just have to keep watching this space. In Los Angeles, the Rams, I think the truth is still lost in the source on Puka, but I'm now betting against the average, basically. I was fully prepared to admit this week that I can only argue against Puka Nakua because of his underlying profile from college. But while his performance in the red zone, he's actually due some touchdowns, is a positive sign for moving forward, he also has to maintain Tyreek Hill level efficiency on 30% of the ADOT. Feels like this could be a trap, still. Last year, only one wide receiver finished the season with three yards per route run. And since 2018, we've only seen two finish a single season managing that feat. Most have at least twice the ADA of Puka so far. And I'm not sure that he can make up for it with rushing attempts in the red zone, as some some people seem to think. He's worth a late 24 first right now, rightly so, if not more. But I still don't see an all-in window, and if you don't manage to snag him in rookie drafts, and therefore you're considering moving him for value, perhaps, I'm staying cautious for right now. I don't see a buying window, and I don't think there's been one since week one, and I haven't seen enough yet to write off what I think of his college profile. His efficiency is just too high right now. Miami, Duran Smythe continues to be interesting, and now he's due touchdowns. I suppose Raheem Mostart should be the story here, but I'm less impressive, less interested in the revolving backfield in Miami than the rookie tight end with 20% of the team's routes through two weeks and 10% of the team's red zone opportunities. He should progress to score more touchdowns on that current workload, despite not adding a target inside the 10-yard line this week. He just has his one from week one. But if this overall usage persists he will have better weeks, and he could be very interesting in Dynasty. In New England, Hunter Henry is a real boy. The usage isn't ideal, but the team expects to use him with this high upside volatile role. He's running 17% of the team's routes so far. That's a top five, or that's the same as a top five tight end on average. And his top seven volume and weighted opportunity includes that red zone burst he's getting. 
This week it was Devontae Parker, next week it might be someone else, but Ramondre Stevenson and Henry could be the actual consistent options for us in fantasy. In New Orleans, Michael Thomas is the narrative, Chris Olave is still the signal, however. Never say I didn't warn you about Rashid Shahid. Talent is nice, but points are better. Thomas and Olave is where it's at. In San Francisco, buying Debo Samuel always seems to work if he doesn't get injured. I mean, not to say I told you so, but I did. Brandon Oaks yards per route run is still unsustainable, by the way. Debo Samuel runs more routes, and this week their red zone work got closer to even. In Tampa Bay, if you don't think about the QB, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine, I guess. I didn't like buying into a Baker Mayfield layered offense this offseason, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin felt like solid veteran pickups all offseason long. Through two weeks, Mike Evans has done a lot to remind us and justify that idea, but I expect Chris Godwin to do more to solidify the concept soon too. So far, he's running the same number of routes as Mike Evans. Both have 20.9% of the team's overall underlining routes, which is just a clear difference from everyone else on the team. They're not just one and two, they're the one and two we kind of expect in this offense. Trey Palmer's trailing with like a 9% of routes, which is good considering where we got him in rookie drafts if you added him, but I think Mike... I think Chris Godwin is due some positive weeks here. Rashad White is also fine, on track to maybe be that top 12 breakout we hope, just through volume and role. Sean Tucker is encroaching, but I think his usage is sustainable right now. Without injury or retirement or something else, I think it's a white backfield with Sean Tucker just being a decent value from rookie drafts. Kate Otten is fairly involved relative to the team's overall volume, but there's only so far the love can spread on a Mayfield offense. The tight end 29 in overall weighted opportunity is streamable, but that's about it. In Tennessee, Traden Burks made a play, but he's still concerning. He's still a distant third on the team in overall route percentage, and despite having a good result, I'm still looking for more volume before I relax. He dropped an overall opportunity this week as well, and he's still running behind, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, but also he's barely level with Nick Westbrook in overall rank percentage. In Washington, Terry was efficient, but Dotson still leads. Buying into proven vets when your lead mates are excited about the young player on offense is a good move, I think, consistently. But while I think both are viable in a Sam Howell-led offense, Terry McClellan had to rely on efficiency to finally outproduce the Wiley sophomore, who still leads in underlining route numbers. Fairly impressively, actually, 18% to 16%. I think Logan Thomas is fairly interesting. He's got 15% of the team's target share, but it's a little loose with only 13% of the team's routes. In bigger game scripts, though, it's clear he can show streamable weeks. He ran 21 routes in week two when the team had to pass 39 times. And that might be something worth keeping in mind. Okay, that's it for this week. That's most of my notes. Check out the Patreon article. Check out the DLF article. Maybe I'll find time to make a video this week, but I don't know. But you can check out all the data in my weekly database, which is on my link tree. It's pinned to my Patreon page. It's pinned to my Twitter timeline. It's the very first tweet you see. Links straight to a Google sheet, and it produces these reports where I'm getting the numbers, as well as all the sources, the calculations, the anything that you might want to know about the weekly data. Other than that, thanks for checking out the podcast, and I will talk to you again next week. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Pick
Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that I like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the place, though He enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the place, though He enumerates the plays, they're analytical